start to get into the word. Are we ready to get in the word? I listen. No, could you, I? Hey, buddy, I got to put my water there. Can you move that stuff? Look at they are. They already tied one hit. This stuff too. What is that? Yeah, put that down there. It's like preaching with one hand tied behind my back. I can't do nothing with this hand. Oh, hey. Oh. Dang it, it gets me every time. All right. Now you can start the countdown clock. Oh, Tammy, kids are leaving now. Kids, follow Miss Tammy. You, trust me, you'll have more fun back there. This prima ballerina up here on the front row. They're calling you. They're going. She's like, what, me? I get to go? Yeah. All right, hey, just for that, I'm starting over again. Reset my stopwatch. All right, history is painted with the stories of those individuals who have stood strong in the face of the worst storms and fiercest battles without losing faith. The six-year-old who survived the Nazi concentration camp, Corrie Ten Boom, who fought with her father and sister to keep others from going to the concentration camps. The teenage surfer girl who, have, even after having her arm bit off by a shark, refused to let her faith and trust be shaken, and she returned to surf again to show people that God turns everything to good for those who love him. John G. Lake, who continued to believe for healing miracles even while suffering severe sickness within his own body, even after burying his own wife, continued to believe for miracles and saw over 100,000 healings just within a five-year span. The Bible records more of these stories. Gideon, David, Job, Esther, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all faced their own earth-shaking, darkness-facing, life-altering trials, but refused to sit down and do nothing. Instead, they stood strong and with a persevering faith believed God who is who he said he is and believed that in Jesus Christ they can do all things through his strength. There's a secret to this persevering faith, but it comes with all the promises of God. But there is a condition to it. There is something, a part that we play in this persevering faith. Boy, I wish I could say you could just step up to the microphone and order some persevering faith and go about your business and always have it and not have to do a thing for it. But there is a part we play. These greats that I just mentioned didn't just get to set back, ask for it, and then see it played out. They had to stand. They had to stand strong. They had to feel the battle against their flesh. They had to cry the tears of those that they had to keep fighting for. But there is a secret to this persevering faith. Don't worry, it comes with all the promises of God plus a promise of a full Christian life that's not lacking anything. And today we're going to discover this secret so we too can take our place in history with these. Turn with me over to James chapter 1. 
James chapter 1. I know I'm hearing the pages ruffle. Russell, Russell. James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Mature and complete, not lacking anything. How many of you today are sitting there not lacking anything? Mature, complete, not lacking anything. What a statement. Do you understand that if we get this one principle, if you never hear another message again, this is the only message you'll hear for the rest of your life. If you can just grab a hold of this one and begin walking it out, you will be mature, complete, and not lacking anything. And as a matter of fact, what we'll read later is that you will live a life that will not be unproductive or ineffective. You'll live a productive, effective life, complete, mature, not lacking anything. Amen. This could be your turning point today. It's a guarantee that we will be. It's a guarantee. It's not like one of those info commercials. I guarantee. Money back guarantee. And then they tell you where to ship it back to. Something wrong with that. Money back guarantee. That we will be mature, complete, not lacking anything. But the one condition, here it is. This is the secret. We must let perseverance finish its work. So what's the work? What's the work? The part that we don't like is how that work, how, how it's developed in our life. It says, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Your faith is tested through difficulties, through opposition. And that should be so obvious, isn't it? It should be, I mean, have you ever heard anybody said, I persevered through my vacation. I persevered while sipping my lemonade in the shade in my backyard. No. There has to be a struggle. A difficulty, a trial, perseverance. The word actually means if you, if you, and I flunked English. Let me just tell you that. I work hard to do what I can just to read the little bit I do and speak the little bit I do and, and dig into it. But I looked it up and the prefix per, P-E-R, for perseverance means through. 
So if you take the other half of that word, severe, I mean, do I need to give you the definition of what severe means? Per means through, severe means critical, dangerous, what are some of the discomfort, distress, grave, causing discomfort are some of the definitions of the word severe. Through severe, through severe discomforts, displeasures, uh, difficulties, grave situations, enduring harsh extremes. Persevere. So yes, there is a great promise, a guarantee that we will be completely mature, not lacking anything, but we have to develop this persevering faith, and which is the title of today's message, persevering faith. Oswald Chambers says, perseverance means more than endurance, more than simply holding on until the end. You remember seeing the little cat poster and he's holding, Hold, I'm holding on. There's more to life than just holding on. There's more to the Christian life than just holding on. Perseverance, going through difficult, grave situations is more than just holding on. A saint's life is in the hands of God like a bow and arrow in the hands of an archer. Arrow? No. Anyway, God is aiming at something the saint cannot see, but our Lord continues to stretch and strain. And every once in a while, the saint says, I can't take any more. Yet God goes on stretching until his purpose is in sight. And then he lets the arrow fly. Entrust yourself to God's hands. Is there something in your life for which you need perseverance right now? Maintain your intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Through the perseverance of faith and proclaim as Job did in Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Faith is not some weak and pitiful emotion, but is strong and vigorous confidence built on the fact that God is who he says he is, holy and love. And even though you cannot see him right now and cannot understand what he is doing when you're feeling that stretch and that strain, you know him and you can trust him. Disaster occurs in your life when you lack the mental composure that comes from establishing yourself on the eternal truth that God is holy love. Faith is the supreme effort of your life, throwing yourself with abandon and total confidence upon him. So in the light of Oswald's, Oswald's definition, we can conclude that persevering faith is not only a stretching of our faith, but an intense act to increase our faith with a specific purpose, a target in sight. A few verses later in James chapter 1, if we read on, verse 12, 
it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. There's a crown waiting for you. Not when you sit down, kick back, and hope that everything just kind of goes your way. But when you persevere in your faith. In Revelations chapter 3, flip over there. I want to show you what was written to the church. Revelations chapter 3. To the church in Philadelphia, starting in verse 7. It says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, This is the message from the one who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And I know that you have little strength. See, God knows. Hello, he made you. I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Verse 9. Look. I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Verse 10, because you have obeyed my command to persevere. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. Verse 11, I am coming soon. So hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God. They will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone who hears, who has ears to hear, must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. That God will tattoo on you. No? Don't go there? No, that's not the message for today. He says, because you have obeyed my commands to persevere, I will give you the crown. Not to just hold on and hope everything will be okay. Yes, hold on, but persevere means intense action. To keep fighting, to keep going through. The word perseverance indicates a deliberate, tenacious action to keep fighting in whatever trials we may face without losing our faith in God. 
It is fueled by a faith that knows it will triumph in the end. Have you ever thought about that? When you're fighting and you're in an intense battle and it's like, I've given it my all, it's going, it's going, and you get knocked down, that even when you're knocked down, you can belly laugh. And think you can knock me down, but I know who wins in the end. And so you get back up again. We were talking about it in class this morning. It's kind of like Rocky in that first one where they just, I mean, it was, I just kept saying, stay down. And he's getting back up again. I remember the first time I watched it, I was on the edge of my seat saying, no, he's getting back up again. It's going to hurt. But he knew he was going to win in the end. He knew it. And that's what keeps kept him fueled to keep getting up. So when all hell breaks loose on your situation, your life, what you're going through, even when you do get knocked down, go ahead and let out a laugh. As you're getting back up again, <laughs> yeah, that one kind of stung. But I know what's happening to that enemy. When it's all over, I know what's going to happen to that enemy. And you can knock me down. I'm not staying down. I'm going to keep getting up. And I'm going to not just stand here. I'm going to keep going forward. I'm going to keep going and keep going. Persevering faith is a deliberate, tenacious act to keep fighting you know that the outcome of the Lord's dealing with Job reveals that in all of Job's trials, in all his troubles, that God still cared for him. Because what did he do for him in the end? He blessed him twice as much as what he had at the beginning. God is concerned about all his people. Don't ever believe the lie. That, the, that Satan will yell at you when you do get knocked down, that, see, God don't care for you, let out a laugh. <laughs> oh, he does care. Because he's already secured the victory. And I'm getting that crown as long as I keep going on. As long as I keep his commandment to persevere. God is concerned about all his people and that in their suffering, he will sustain them in love and mercy and lead them through to victory. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three guys, right? Young guys who refused to bow to the king because they said there's only one king. There's only one God and we will only bow to one. And they came after them and said, do you not know that if you don't bow before this king, we are throwing you in the furnace? And they're like, you know what? We still can only bow to one. And that's God. We respect you, king. We honor you, king. But we'll only bow to one. And that's God. So if you have to throw us in that furnace, then so be it. And you know what? We'll stand here today and we'll go in that furnace. And if God delivers us, amen. But if he doesn't. He's still God. What can man do to you? 
The Bible says, what can man do to your flesh? Who should you fear? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, these other people that face these persevering faith difficulties knew that there was only one that they had to not fear as in, ooh, you know, I'm scared, but fear as in there's one I'll honor, there's one I'll give glory to, there's one I live for. And whether he delivers me in the flesh or not, I'll stand before him in heaven. And he's the one I live for. He's the one I'll die for. He's the one that all things, all things, all, not some, all things deserve to give him glory. So whether it's through your persecutions, through your trials, whether it ends in death or ends in a victory this side of heaven, it's still for his glory. It's still our command. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I'll go. I'll go to the fire. And what happened? I mean, let's just finish the story. What happened? When they were thrown in the fire, wouldn't it have been nice to deliver them right before they got to the fire? I mean, it was uh, Daniel. Couldn't God have delivered him before they threw him down in the lion's den? I mean, I know the Bible stories and the little felt boards that we had in Sunday school class and we really want to, I'm sorry, I'm human enough that I want to know what they were feeling. Because I am very brave after I have a moment of fear. I am very brave after I've been delivered. Did you see what I went through? Yeah, but what did you feel as you was facing that? He's not saying you're not going to feel fear. You're not going to be scared. You know, when uh, Corey Ten Boom, the, over and over again, the Nazis came in there to their house, and they were hiding people in their walls, in this little hiding place, in this hiding room. And they were all hush and quiet. You're telling me they didn't feel afraid? As they're holding their breath, trying not to make a noise? You're telling me the teenage girl that had her arm bit off by the shark didn't feel a little scared? No. Oh. But he says, don't give in to the fear. Don't give in to the fear. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have, as they were being pushed up to that furnace, say, okay, 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 okay. Because you know they might have been feeling some fear. Daniel being pushed to the edge of that pen, getting ready to be pushed in, could have saw those lions. And you know, they probably weren't purring like little kittens when they were seeing dinner come to the edge of the, you know, hole there. I'm sure his stomach turned out. Have you ever been on a roller coaster and the click, 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 click right before it goes over? I love roller coasters. But I'll tell you, right at that last click, my stomach turns over. My mind gives way. All the blood rushes from my head. And I think I'm about ready to pass out. And then, ah! 
And then it's, yeah, right? Intense, exuberant, I love it. There's this awesome adrenaline rush. And then you come back in and you step off and you're like looking at the people who are getting ready to go on going, was that scary? Was that scary? And you're like, no, I got it. It was cool. Let's go look at the pictures now. Right. What well, well, was you? Th take the picture at the snap at the last click. That's where I want to see the picture taken, right? Because they're all, I mean, the woman's, you buried her head in the armpit of her stinky husband. <laughs> Don't look. The guys, I love it when the guys have the fearful face and the girl's like, yeah. And the guys are, no. But it doesn't mean you're not going to feel fear. When you're being attacked, you're going to have emotions. We are emotional beings. We will have emotions. Doesn't mean that it's all over right there. Keep going. I mean, who was it? I, I wish I had had this quote, but the man that says that fear, that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the, the, it's the tenacious ability to keep going in spite of the fear or with the fear. Courage means I'm going to keep going. Doesn't matter what I feel. I'm not saying you're not going to feel fear or feel scared or feel overwhelmed. You know, if you are going through some financial difficulties, you feel helpless at times. You feel overwhelmed with an inability to control your own situation. Does that mean that God's not in control? No. A persevering faith means I know that God is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he'll do. But my job, my responsibility is to keep fighting. Not to kick back, grab your lemonade, and hope everything will just work out. It's not what a Christian's called to do. That's not what Jesus died for you to become. A persevering faith means to keep going in spite of the fear, in spite of the feelings, in spite of the emotions. It's all going to be there, but keep going because there's a purpose. There's a target that God is stretching you and his bow to hit. But you got to stay there in his hands. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Flip over there. Just back a couple. First Peter. In chapter 1, I know we're just starting to dig into this. This was, oh Lord, help me. In verses, First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, 
Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come. What are these? These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, refined, which is worth, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him, now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In that verse 7, it said, These have come. What? The trials of many kinds have come so that your faith can be proven genuine. Which your faith is of more value, greater worth than gold. Even though it's going to be refined by fire. Oh, everybody wants the gold. Nobody wants to go through the fire. But you are receiving the end result of your faith. Our faith can only reach maturity when faced with difficulties and opposition. Only way, only way perseverance can finish its work in you so that you can be mature, complete, not lacking anything. So here it is. If you don't have pen and paper to write it down, take notes on your phone, take notes on your neighbor. I don't care what it is. Write it down. If you have the, what, what's that called? Uh, uh, photographic memory. Snap a couple pictures right now. We're getting to the secret, digging into the meat. Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at how, how, how we do this. Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 3 through 11. And then we're going to take them apart bit by bit because this is it. This is, I mean, I'm so serious. If this is the last message you hear in your lifetime, this is it. And then I'll say that next week too. Now, anyway, Second Peter 1, 3 through 11. Verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need. For a godly life through our knowledge of him. Let me stop for a second. We just learned this this morning in class. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. They're not synonymous. We learn that knowledge is what? Knowledge is learning something. Learning. It's information, right? It's the, it's the collecting of. It's the grabbing a hold of information. Learning. Knowledge. You build knowledge when you go to school. You build knowledge when you sit in a class. You build knowledge when you dig into the Word. It's information that you're collecting. It's information. Wisdom is the application of it. So I can gain knowledge in learning how to shoot a gun. 
The wisdom is when to shoot the gun. You like that I talked about guns? All you that are carrying, you got my back. I know. Thank you. Praying for your wisdom to know when to shoot that gun, okay? Because you have been taught how to use the gun. That's the knowledge. I pray that God gives you the wisdom to know when to use that gun. Okay, now that we're all there. That was just a side. That was a little dessert on the side. There you go. All right. So back to verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. Through what we learn about him. Who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us. what? Through what? Through what? Through these he has given us. His very great and precious promises so that through them, through what again? Through his promises. Where are they found? In his word. In his word. He's given us this, his word, his promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Verse 5, for this very reason, here it is, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Verse 10. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, he was talking to the brothers and sisters, make every effort to confess Confirm your calling and election. You have a job to do. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Holy cow! But I know what you're thinking right now. Oh, I can't do all that. I can't do all that. I try. And I try. I can't do it. Well, you know what? I was at, what was that restaurant called? Papa J's. Oh, is it Papa J's? In honor. Where's Dale? He knows every eatery. It's Papa J's, isn't it? Oh, Papa J's. On Friday night, we stopped in there. First time we sat down in there. Anyway, they have great pizzas. This message has brought, been brought to you by Papa J's. I need to get a free pizza. Call them. Free pizza. Anyway, I don't want to get too graphic, but um, while I was in the bathroom, there was a big poster on the wall. And I mean, I was done standing in there, and I'm like reading this poster, thinking this is deep stuff. I'm looking around thinking, I need to preach this to some. This is a poster. 
Put that picture up on the I know you're not going to be able to read it all. Put that yeah, there it is. See, you can't read it all. Can't read any of it. It was deep. And you can't even see all those that, that's all line that a lot. Here. It says all I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. All I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. So if you think, Brenda, I can't do all that. You already learned how to do all that in kindergarten. And this, that poster, I know, it's not a good picture. Anyway, the poster says, all I need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. You see, wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain. It was learned in the sand pile at Sunday school. These are the things I learned. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush that toilet. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some, think some, draw some, paint some, sing some, dance some, play some, oh, and yeah, work some. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands, stick together. Be aware of the wonder around you. And remember that little seed in that styrofoam cup? The roots go down, the plant goes up, and nobody really knows how that happens. But they all like it. Goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even that little seed in that styrofoam cup, well, they all die. That's okay, we do too. And then remember, the Dick and Jane books, the first word you learned, the biggest word of all in that book, look. Look. Everything you need to know is in that book. Somewhere. The golden rule, the love, basic sanitation, ecology, politics, politics, equality, insane living. Take any one of those items and extrapolate it into sophisticated adult terms and apply it to your family life or your work or your government or your world, and it holds true and clear and firm. Think what a better world it would be if we all, the whole world, had cookies and milk about 3 o'clock in the afternoon and then lay down on our little blankies and took a nap. Or if all governments had a basic policy to always put things back where they found them and to clean up their own messes. And it is still true, no matter how old you are, when you go out into the world, it's best to hold hands and stick together. Yeah. That's good. In the bathroom of the pizza place. On the wall. I'm like, amen. And Mike and Cassandra was there eating with somebody, and I'm so glad, I hope, maybe that's why they're not at church today, that they didn't like, hey, that's our pastor over there. Yeah, really? Which one? The one that looks like she's taking her camera to the bathroom to take a picture? Yeah, we got to go. Yeah, got to go. 
Come on, everything you need to know on how to do life, you learned in kindergarten. Ow! Let's break down this scripture real fast. Verse 5 says, make every effort. Make every effort. Simply means just try your best. Come on. Doesn't mean be perfect in all these things. Make every effort. Do your best. Try your best to, one, add to your faith goodness. Come on. Everyone knows how to be good. Even my dog knows how to be good. Because what do I say to her every time I leave the house? No, I say, you better be good. And when I walk back in the door, I ask her, were you good? Were you good? And if she runs over to the cupboard where the milk bone dog biscuits are, she thinks she's been good. She's made every effort to be good. I'm going to reward her. Everyone knows how to be good. And that verse simply says, make every effort, try your best to be good. And then to add to your goodness, knowledge. What did we learn? What is knowledge? Information. What's he talking about when he talks about true knowledge? Right here. That's right. Read the word. Learn the word. It's not how much you read. Let me just relieve the guilty feeling that I can't read a chapter of a day. I just don't get it. I don't get Read a verse a day, but get it. Read half a verse a day, but get it. Dig into it and apply it. That's knowledge. That's get into it. So add to your faith goodness. Be good. Make every effort. Try your best to be good. And then make every effort. Try your best to read the word. Pick it up. It's not about checking off I can read the Bible in a year because who can really, besides Anna, do that? I mean, I'm always, yes, Lord, every January 1st, I'm in, all in. I'm, I'm going again, Lord, and I'll pick up another translation so that I can have all these different translations I've read through the Bible, all these And then I get to like January 9th, and I'm like, oh, I'm behind five chapters. This is not going good. So I repent, fin no more, get back in there again, and I'll just kind of skip those ones and go after. I still don't know what happens after Adam. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But don't get all caught up in the guild of I have to check off this chapter, that chapter, however many chapters a day. It's not about that. Knowledge is learning at your level, whatever that is. Some people, like me, I learn better hands-on. I have a hard time, a hard time just reading a textbook and getting it. I have a much easier time of retaining it if I can see it, if you can tell it to me. Found out I didn't even know it was a real whatever sickness, whatever disease, whatever you want to call it, hindrance in my life. That there's an actual hindrance in a person's life who can't take written exams. I struggle like nobody's business. I can learn, learn, and study, cram, study, cram, study, cram. 
somebody can quiz me verbally and I've got it all and then I look at that piece of paper and I'm like, where did they get these questions? I don't remember any of this. And just to share honesty here, I failed my last driving test, written driving test. And I took it up there to the window and she's like, um, you got a couple of these wrong. I said, really? She goes, um, I can't pass this. I said, are you serious? You know how long I've been driving? I'm thinking the 90-some-year-old lady just ran over me. I know I'm better than her. She goes, maybe if I read it to you, do you have that? I don't remember what she called it. You know, anyway. I said, yes, I think I have that problem. Read it to me. And let me tell you, the one that caught me, and see, you guys always hound on me. The question was, do you flow with traffic or abide by the speed limit? Do you flow with traffic or abide by, no, abide by the speed limit, right? Y'all preach it at me all the time. I know this one. No. The correct answer is you flow with traffic. That's why I love driving in Detroit. 95 is the flow. Doesn't matter where you're leading the pack or what, but. The flow. And she had, and I kept saying, it's, it's abide by the speed limit. She goes, is it abide by the speed limit or flow with the traffic? I said, I get to flow with the traffic? She goes, well, yeah, is that, what, is that your answer? Is that your final answer? Do you want to phone a friend? I have a horrible time trying to take tests verbal or written. But verbally, I can get it. But it's not based on how much or how you learn. It's just that you learn. So grab a buddy. Study together. Whatever it takes. I have to. I love the app that reads the Bible to me. Because then I can get through all those Old Testament names and feel really smart. Yeah, that's how I pronounce it. You know, so whatever it takes, make every effort to add to being good knowledge. God's knowledge. God's written word. Just get it in you somehow. And then to add to that knowledge, self-control. Oh, boy. Here we go. Let me just simplify this. As you read God's word, you'll realize that God's given you control over your appetites. And that's all it is. It's just appetites. doesn't mean that we, are, we have to be, we don't have to give in to every appetite we feel. I mean, I feel like drinking iced coffees all day long. I love vanilla iced coffees that we make at home. Brian makes on Sunday. He's awesome at making them. He don't drink them, but he makes I could drink them all day long, but I would not sleep for weeks if I drank them. A week long. I was at Josh's open house party yesterday, and my appetite said, eat that whole cupcake. And I did. I'd like to say I self-control and I held back, but I didn't. And what did I say all night long? I am so sick. 
I shouldn't have eaten that whole cupcake. I mean, it was horrible. I felt horrible. We don't have to give in to our every appetite. That's all it means for self-control is don't give in to every appetite. God has given us, remember we read it, everything we need to live this godly life. So don't tell me you are a slave to your appetite. I stand up here today, I tell you, it's not because I, I, I'm not drawn to be sarcastic or my appetite. I like being sarcastic. I kind of like being mean. I do. I hate to say it, but I do. But I control that. And I have to admit, my flesh says, don't touch me. But I love to hug people, not because my appetite is there. I have to train my appetite to hug people, to love people, to not want to slap the white right off your face at times. Didn't I just say that to you? Yes, I did at the open house. <laughs> he scared me. I thought there was a spider jumping on me because he made a sound right there. And I mean, my, my heart was up in my throat, and I just lashed out at him. I'm like, I'll slap the white right off your face. Face and then I thought, oh boy, and everybody's looking, boy, that's nice coming from a preacher. Doesn't mean I don't have those appetites within me. I just have the self-control to not follow through. Follow through on some of them things. Self-control. But God has given us everything we need to control ourselves, to live a godly life. According to Isaiah 30, 21, God is the voice behind you telling you which way to go. And he's given you the Holy Spirit according to Colossians 3, 15, like an umpire in your life that says, oh, you shouldn't do that. Oh, you shouldn't do that. Okay, keep going this way. I know you want to slap your son, but don't do that. Just ground him for a year. Amen. So add to your faith goodness. Just try your best. Make every effort. Try your best to be good. Try your best to read the word. Get the knowledge in you. Try your best to control your appetites. And then here it is. And then to self-control, add perseverance. This is where those trials and opposition come from. Our own desires and appetites within us. The trial comes when I'm going after that second cupcake. I'm going to eat you. The trial comes when I say no. No. Yes. Tammy puts it in my face. I say no. Yes. I will persevere. I will say no. Trials and temptations come from your own desires and appetites. Or they're pushed on you by somebody else's desire and appetite. And I don't give a stamp of approval on a victim mentality. I don't at all. I've been a victim, but I don't live a victim's life. I don't claim that I can't do anything because I've just been, or this has happened to me, or that. No, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. But 
somebody has either pressed trials and tribulations and temptations on you because of their evil desires and appetites, or you've done it to yourself. Either way, to add perseverance means to fight through them. Fight through them. Then, then it says, if we reread verse 4, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and the world's corruption, again, caused by your own human desires. But here it is. If we fight through, then comes the godliness, the mutual affection, the love. Those things that get added on after that come automatically. When you're persevering, mutual affection, love comes with that. The Full Life Bible defines maturity as a a right relationship with God that bears fruit in sincere endeavor to love him with all of one's heart in undivided devotion, obedience, and blamelessness. You can't help but love him. Love others. Mutual affection, mutual love. You can't help it. When you're persevering in faith, it comes. It comes. It comes naturally. I need to wrap up. So let me jump down to the bottom here. Crystal, can you come back up front? I want to encourage you. Remember, we're talking about persevering faith. It's not only a stretching of our faith, but an intense act to increase our faith with a specific purpose, target in mind. So when you're being stretched, when you're that that bow in, or that arrow in, in his bow, and you feel like God's just pulling on you, stretching on you, whatever you're going through, it's, God, I can't take anymore, I can't take anymore. You can. He will never stretch you beyond what he knows you can bear. And he pulls back and he says, just trust me. You can hear him just saying, just trust me. Just trust me. He's not stretching you with no purpose in mind. He's stretching on your faith because he has a target in mind for you. Where I've got to send you, you've got to go through this right here, right now. Then you'll hit the mark there. But trust me, trust me. So when he starts stretching you, just keep fighting, knowing that there is a specific reason, there is a purpose for this stretching. And I will fight through because I know there is in store for me a crown of victory. He's already secured it. I'm on my way there. I have it as long as I don't give up here. And all I have to do, my part, here it is, my part, my responsibility is just try my best to be good, to learn God's word, be good, learn God's word, control my appetites, don't give in to everything I feel like doing or everything I feel like eating or everything I feel like thinking or everything I feel like watching. Control my appetite and stand strong and fight through. That's all I have to do. He's already secured the victory. That's it. That's the secret. To have a complete 
mature Christian life that will not be lacking in anything. You will be effective. You will be productive in your Christian life. And that's all you have to do. So stand with me right now as I close in prayer. I don't want you to become weary in doing good. Persevere in your faith. Let's finish well. In a race, it doesn't matter how you start. You could be the last one off the line. Through the race, you could trip up a million times and fall and scrape your knees and dirty your outfit and whatever it is. doesn't matter. All that matters is how you finish the race. Remember the Olympic game, the Olympic runner that finished? was supposed to be the one that took it all, that won it all. But what was it? Did he tore, he tore a, a, a hammy, wasn't it? And limped. And as he was coming back around for the last time, he was limping, limping, dragging his leg, limping, limping. What kept him going? What kept him going? Persevering faith. That I have to cross that line. That's what I... I worked four years, don't they, four years or more preparing for that one race. doesn't matter how you start. doesn't matter how many times you've tripped up so far. Right now, today's your day. God with you, I'm going ahead. I will be a strong Christian, mature, complete, not lacking anything because I'm going to persevere so that I can hear the well done, my good and faithful servant. Remember, we read 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. I like that. There's a promise to never stumble. You never have to stumble if you do these things. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we just we just look to you right now, God, as we try to just meditate on this message, meditate on this word. God, that you're giving us a secret. That you've revealed a secret to us on how to be mature Christians, complete, not lacking anything that will be productive in our life, that will be ineffective, but will be an effect on this world that can take our place among history giants of the faith if we just make every effort try our best to do these things to keep fighting through these trials and temptations to trust our life is in your hands you are who you said you are and you will do what you said you will do And your promises are for us. All of them for us. There is victory in store for us. No matter how many times we get beat down, we can laugh it out, get back up again. 
and know that you already have secured our victory. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in here today and you say, Pastor Brenda, um, I don't have a right relationship with God right now. Today's your day. Don't leave today until you make that decision to begin or to restore a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I want to pray with you. And everyone that's a believer in this room has prayed the same kind of a prayer, has made the same kind of commitment, so you're not alone. We stick together. But I want to give opportunity to pray with you. And if that's you and you want to begin a new relationship or a restored relationship, just raise your hand so just that I can see it, so I know who I'm praying for. If this message spoke to you and you said, yep, I'm going through it. I feel like I'm being stretched right now. God's got me in his hands. I trust that. But I feel like I'm being stretched and I just sometimes feel like I can't be stretched anymore. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I see your hand. I see your hand. All you have to do is try your best to be good. Dig into his word. Control those appetites. Do your best to control your appetites. He's given you everything you need to live a godly life. He's not leave, left you anywhere where he hasn't resourced you and given you everything you need to say no to those certain appetites, to say no to those certain things. He's given us everything we need. But he's also given us a body that will pray with us, that will stand with us, that will hold our hand. So if you raised your hand, if I can get the prayer team, come up here. I want you to come up here with them. And let's, let's just close by praying together. Pray for strength. Pray for tenacity to rise up, to stand strong, and to keep fighting. Lock arms with these brothers and sisters and pray for them. Strength, like I said, strength, strength, strength. A tenacity inside them that fuels and bubbles them inside to keep fighting, keep going on. You can do it. You can do it. Keep going. You can do it. We want to pray with you. And Father, for the rest, I just pray a blessing, God. Let this word sink so deep in their spirit and in their heart that they cannot forget it. But they begin walking it, living it, applying it to their life. That you will develop within this church a mature believer, a family of mature believers that are complete, mature, not lacking anything. We are not only world changers, but we're history makers. And we will be strong and we will keep fighting for your glory, for your honor, for your name. Jesus. Amen.